Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this beautiful day, this beautiful fall day. We thank you for the opportunity to spend time with you, with your son Jesus here present with us in the Eucharist. Heavenly Father, there are so many challenges for us in just being who we are, just being your beloved children. So many obstacles to that truth, so many wounds to our hearts. So Heavenly Father, we just ask that you would break through all of that and help us in this time on this retreat just to know that we are your beloved children. May we just live in that truth fearly, fearlessly and freely. May we know it in the depths of our being. Jesus, I pray that you would help us as a good shepherd, that you would just help us to hear your voice. You promised that your sheep hear your voice. So, Lord, we want to hear your voice. Please teach us how you are speaking to us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just come upon and just cover and, and smother everyone on this retreat. You're the love between the Father and the Son. You're the giver of life. You're the consoler. You're the comforter. You're the fire of love. You're the power of God. So Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would just come upon us and be in us. Just fill this whole place with your presence. The Holy Spirit with glowing flame inspire us today. Unite all souls and form one heart and show the Father's way. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Well, good morning. It's so good to see everybody uh, this morning, and I hope that um, hope you got a good night's rest. You know, that's part of uh, being on retreat um, is getting some rest, a much needed rest. And you know, the retreat's going to go fast, and we just want to make the most of it, right? Uh, it's going to go very fast, and um, but we're not going to live in that truth. We're just going to um, love every moment that we get to be with the Lord. And um, like I said, it's good to have um, a, a good good night's rest. And um, you know, I've asked the Father, you know, if He could give us a special a special treat on on this retreat, and and that and, and what He told me was that He's going to give you actually another hour of sleep tonight. So so that's we can look forward to that as well, right? Um, In Matthew 18, verses 2 to 4. At that time, the disciples approached Jesus and said, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called the child over, placed it in their midst, and said, Amen, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives one child such as this in my name receives me. And so we just ask the Lord to help us to be children, you know, just be 
his, the father's children on this retreat. Um, because that's who we are. And, um, we have, we have the benefit of having a very young child with us uh, on this retreat um, to remind us of what that, um, what that dependency looks like. You know, what that um, uh, tenderness and, and dependency looks like, you know, depending on, on, on God, our Father, like a child depending on um, his or her parents. And so for us, it's, it's really, you know, healing is, is very much about just bringing us into our identity and you know, just bringing us into who we are as God's children, you know, helping us to, to just see that, see that truth and live in that truth. Um, it really is all about identity, you know, and, and we have to say that this whole life is a total gift from God, right? I mean, we don't. We didn't do anything to put ourselves here. Um, and so from the moment uh, we're conceived, everything's just pure gift. Everything is gift. God owes us nothing. He owes us nothing. It's, it's just total gift from him. And we know that he created us to, 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 to be loved and to love. This is why he created us. And we... We heard in, uh, or we read in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him might not perish, but might have eternal life. And we know that the, um, and, and in First John chapter three verse one, we hear, "See what love the Father has bestowed on us, that we may be called the children of God." Yet so we are. In 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 to 10, In this way the love of God was revealed to us. God sent his only Son into the world so that we might have life through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loves us and sent his Son as expiation for our sins. Beloved, beloved if God so loved us, we also must love one another. And so it very much is the case that God has loved us first. He's loved us first, you know, by creating us and then also sending his son uh, to die for us. And Jesus came to reveal, we know, he came to reveal not just who God is. He most definitely came to reveal that, that God is a communion of persons, a trinity of persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But he also came to reveal who we are. Um, he came to reveal um, that he came to reveal who we are as well. In the Catechism, it says this, uh, paragraph two twenty one: God's very being is love. By sending His only Son in the Spirit of love in the fullness of time, God has revealed His innermost secret. God has revealed His innermost secret. And, and we say, what, what is that innermost secret? And it's this, that God himself is an eternal exchange of love, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He has destined us to share in that exchange. And so we are called, we're created to be in that communion, you know, to be just wrapped up, if you will, 
by the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And for our, our smaller, for our families to be there as well. Um, Pope Benedict XVI, in his Mass for the inauguration of his pontificate, said this, Each of us is a result of a thought of God. Each of us is willed. Each of us is loved. Each of us is necessary. There's nothing more beautiful than to be surprised by the gospel, by the encounter with Christ. There is nothing more beautiful than to know him and to speak to others of our friendship with him. And so on this retreat, I pray that, um, you know, each of us would just allow God to love us, you know, and even to ask him that, you know, to say, God, Lord, how do you want to love me on this retreat? How do you want to show your love for me on this retreat? You know, um, it's good for us to, to speak to him in this, in this way. You know, how, how, Lord, do you want to show your love for me? You know, and so we expect that it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And um, <clears throat> and so we just ask the Lord to help us, help us just to allow, just to receive, you know, just to receive his love, just to receive who we are, our true identity uh, as beloved sons and daughters of God, as children of God. Um, but then also just to, um, yeah, just to receive his love. And, and so one prayer might just be, in addition to God, how are you going to love me? Maybe a, a prayer that you might have on your mind and heart. Um, don't mean to put words in your mouth, but um, maybe it's, Lord, I, I'm struggling to, to, to know that you love me. Lord, I am struggling to know that you love me. Or I've never felt that. Or I've never experienced your love for me. Or, Lord, I really, really need or I, I want that. I want to know that you love me. I want to know it right here. You know, because, you know, we, we can certainly, you know, as, as Catholics, as Christians, as humans, you know, we hear this a lot. God loves you. He created just what I said earlier. He created you. But if we don't hear it here, if we don't hear it here, um, then we should ask the Lord for that because he cares about that. He wants you to know it here. That's why he came. He wants you to know it in your heart. And so we, we just, we press into that. We ask the Lord for that, that grace, that gift on this retreat. If that resonates with you, if that's something else that's on your mind or heart, that's great. I really very much want you just to pray from the, from the place of your, your desires, from the desire of your heart, because God cares about that. Well, I, um, I, I mentioned this book uh, last night, Be Healed. Uh, just an awesome title for one, Be Healed, A Guide to Encountering the Powerful Love of Jesus in Your Life. A Guide to Encountering the Powerful Love of Jesus in Your Life. We all want to know the love of Jesus in our lives. And uh, so the, I'm not going to go through the whole book. I'll point out a few things, but... Um, it seems to me the, uh, the main point of this whole book is chapter four. And uh, chapter four is entitled The Beloved Son. 
the beloved son. And uh, second at World Youth Day in 2002 in Toronto. And I was there. Um, I was one of the uh, chaperones for a bus of youth. Um, it was an awesome time. I remember the first, uh, the first night we came in to Toronto and there were people everywhere, as you can imagine, um, in the center city or in the downtown area. And, you know, like I said, people everywhere, people hanging outside of bus windows and, and um, it was just joy. That's what it was. It was just total joy. And, you know, I remember thinking afterwards that if, if you didn't know any better, you would have thought that everybody there was drunk or was on something, you know, um, because like I said, they were just giddy, giddy with joy. And you knew that it didn't have anything to do with some kind of substance, but just the Holy Spirit. Um, but one of the things that um, Pope John Paul II said, um, and, and Dr. Bob quotes this, Uh, I'm just going to read, read the, the whole quote. I think it's just um, to get a sense of context here. So this is World Youth Day, and the Pope says, You are young, and the Pope is old. <laughs> 82 or 83 is three years of life is not the same as 22 or 23. But the Pope still fully identifies with your hopes and aspirations regimes. I have seen enough evidence to be unshakably convinced that no difficulty, no fear is so great that it can completely suffocate the hope that springs eternal in the hearts of the young. You are our hope. The young are our hope. Do not let that hope die. Stake your lives on it. Then he says this, which is what Dr. Bob quotes in his book. We are not the sum of our weaknesses and failures. We are the sum of the Father's love for us and our real, and our real capacity to become the image of his Son. We are not the sum of our weaknesses and failures. We are the sum of the Father's love for us and our real capacity to become the image of his son. And so then Dr. Bob in his book, first paragraph says, how do you perceive yourself? Do you see yourself as the sum of all your weaknesses and failures or the image of the beloved son? Do you believe you are cherished and deeply lovable or inherently worthless and easily discarded? Is your fundamental identity that of a sinner or a saint? Do not, don't be too quick to answer these questions. You may believe one thing based on the way you have been taught, but quite another in the way you really see yourself in the depths of your heart. And this is no small matter. What you believe about yourself in your heart becomes your identity, which in turn shapes everything in your life. 
So what, what do we believe about ourselves? You know, we can just, um, we can just pause for a second here and just ask the Lord, you know, help us Lord to see what we believe about ourselves and not to be harsh in it, not to be, not to beat ourselves up, but what do we believe about ourselves? So, Lord, I just I pray that you would just speak truth into that place. Affirm truth. Please, Lord, just affirm truth that we are um, not the sum of our weaknesses and failures. Okay, so this is how this is who we're called to be. This is who we are. You know, created uh, good, created as sons and, and daughters of our Heavenly Father. We sent a son uh, to give his life for us and, uh, and to give us his spirit. And so we also realize that we're not whole. You know, we also realize that there's a part of us that we're not living fully that identity, you know, and that's okay. You know, again, as I said last night, it's just let the Lord, just, you know, the Lord wants to encounter us right where we're at. He's not expecting us to be somewhere or do something in order for him to come and love us. You know, sometimes we think that's the case. We're like, we, we think that, okay, I have to get everything in order. I have to make myself better. I have to, I have to put everything in order. I have to get rid of all my sins. And, and then the Lord will come and he'll come and be with me. And then he'll love me. It's just, it's a total lie from the pit of you know where. And, and so what the Lord just wants to do is he just wants to come and be with us right here, right where I'm at, you know, just right where I'm at. He's not looking for you or me to be someplace else. But yeah, certainly we, de- we, we all have that awareness. We all have an awareness of how... Um, we're not the finished product, you know, where we are not quite um, what God intends for us to be. And so what happened, as we know, as we know, it was um, the fall of Adam and Eve, you know, that set us on the path of being confused about our real identity. Is the fall of our first parents. And you can read that in Genesis chapter 3. I'm not going to... Um, I mean, I think we all know that, um, but we also, we also, um, if not, go ahead and please read Genesis chapter three. But, but I think, um, you know, just to summarize there, you know, the, the enemy, um, Satan led our first parents to believe that they couldn't trust their father, led them to believe that, um, he was holding something from them, led them to believe that, um, uh, that they had to grasp at, they had to become gods for themselves. They had to make that, they had to earn, they had to perform or measure up or earn or somehow attain that on their own. Well, by eating from the fruit of the tree um, and not just receiving the fact that they were made in the image and likeness of God already. Now, how crazy is that? If you do this, you will get what God has already given you. 
you know, but that's what the father of lies and the father of deception is about. You know, he, he distracts us from the goodness of God, what God's already given us. And so, um, but this is what St. John Paul II said in Crossing the Threshold of Hope. He says, um, the father-son paradigm is ageless, is older than human history. The rays of fatherhood contained in this formulation belong to the Trinitarian mystery of God himself. Bear with me. Which shines forth from him, illuminating man and his history. This notwithstanding, as we know from Revelation, in human history, the rays of fatherhood meet a first resistance. The rays of fatherhood meet a first resistance in the obscure but real fact of original sin. This is truly the key for interpreting reality. Original sin is not only the violation of a positive command of God, but also, and above all, a violation of the will of God as expressed in that command. Original sin attempts, then, to abolish fatherhood, destroying its rays which permeate the created world, placing in doubt the truth about God who is love and leaving man only with the sense of the master-slave relationship. You know, how many of us, um, you know, struggle with that. You know, like, God is, I just, I just have to do what he wants me to do. I just have to do what he wants me to do. You know, and, and in a certain way, uh, you know, notwithstanding what St. Paul says about working out our salvation, with the grace of God, we have to be participants in God's work of saving us. We have to be putting ourselves in, in um, agreement with it and embracing it. But, um, you know, if, if our relationship is just always doing, doing, doing in order to get God's love, that's not really the relationship that God intends for us. That's not who he is. Um, and so we... Um, you know, so we just ask the father to help us, you know, we just ask him to help us. We want to feel those rays of fatherhood, heavenly father. We want to feel those rays of fatherhood, not just on this retreat, but every day we just want us, we want us, we want Lord to know that we can just be your children playing in your backyard until we enter your house. Amen. So one of the, um, one of the things that's just so, um, one of the, one of the um, teachings of Bob Schutz in this book, I think is just so fundamental. And it's concerning the anatomy of a wound. Okay. Because the, the reality is, the fact is that, yeah, the enemy has He's had his same mode of operation since he um, uh, tempted our first parents, Adam and Eve, you know, and, and so he's the father of lies and, um, and he affects what we believe about ourselves. He has, he's powerful, but just, he's, 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 got a higher nature than we do in the sense of being um, 
more powerful, more um, uh, smarter, I guess, one way to put it. Um, but, uh, and I don't want to put a lot of focus on, on that, but just the fact that he, yeah, we, we acknowledge that, you know, um, but it's not like as some people might think, okay, God is here and the devil is here and they're going at it, you know, just equal, equal powers going at it. It is so wrong. It is so wrong. He has no power than the, the enemy has no power than the power that we give him. That's the only power he has. But anyway, the anatomy of a wound. You know, Dr. Bob talks about how, um, uh, you know, wounds to our hearts. You know, different experiences that we have in our lives. And this could be anything from, you know, being a, a, maybe a five-year-old and, you know, getting some critical word from an uncle or a parent or an older sibling or somebody and having it just really... Um, disturbing the peace in, in our heart or, or just making us upset or something as a five-year-old. And, and we look back on that and we say, we might say, wow, that it wasn't really that big a deal. Why was it? Why, why did that affect me so much? And, um, but the reality, reality is that it did, you know, I mean, we're not our five-year-old person. We're not our five-year-old self anymore, you know? But in the five-year-old self, maybe that was, so it could be, a, it could be a, something that looks to us as a small wound to the heart, or it could be something much greater or more severe, as a, such as a, a death in the family or a death of a close one, uh, a, a loved one, um, or, a, um, or some, kind, some form of abuse or some kind of trauma. Okay, so, but what happens is where there's wounds, okay, wounds to our hearts, the enemy is opportunistic, and he uses those times to feed us with lies about ourselves, you know, and obviously those lies are going to come with a little bit of truth, and it's going to sound true, but it's really from the enemy, and so he's going to feed us with lies, he's opportunistic, as I said, and feeds us with lies um, in that moment, and very sinister, very deceptive. Um, he also will feed us with beliefs about others. You know, that, okay, because this happened, um, I will always be such and such, or I will never be such and such, or so-and-so will always be such and such, or never be such and such. Um, so lies and beliefs, okay? And so we have the, the, analog the uh, aunt, I'm sorry, the... Um, we have the wound itself, and then these lies and beliefs that the, that the enemy heaps on us. Then as a result of that, um, we don't feel protected. Our heart wasn't protected for one, from, in one way or another. And we may even think that God did not protect our own heart. And if that's the case, um, we just have to acknowledge that and bring that to him. But... Um, but what, what happens with that then is we then have to take control. I have to then take control of protecting my own heart. Okay. And what's called a, an ungodly self-reliance. Can't trust God. Can't trust anyone else. I just got to do it for myself. And then it's from that that we then make inner vows. 
unholy inner vows, such as, uh, because this happened, when I am in such and such situation, I will always do, or, or I will never do such and such, or I will never put myself in that situation. Um, I, won't, I won't ever allow myself to experience this or that because of what I, what I have experienced, okay? And so we, we make these inner vows. And, and then with these lies and these beliefs and these inner vows, we just go through life thinking that's who we are. When it all just started with the enemy feeding us with that stuff. And, and so, you know, the Lord wants to break through all that. He wants, he wants to just help us in, the, in this process of healing. He wants to help us to break off those lies. He wants to be the one to break off those lies and, um, and to help us into you know, just trusting him. And um, again, if, you know, and I don't mean to, if, if we're not in a place of feeling like we can trust God, I'm going to say that's okay. I mean, and once it's not okay, but it's okay if that's where we're at. We just need to tell him that. Lord, because of this or that, this is why I don't think I can trust you. This is why I don't think I can trust you. Okay. But Dr. Bob comes up with, uh, comes up with a, a categorization of wounds, you know, and, and, and so they, um, they are, they could be categorized other ways, I would think. But, you know, he, just like we have the seven deadly sins of pride, avarice or greed, uh, lust, anger, gluttony, envy or sloth. Okay, so Dr. Bob says there are essentially seven deadly wounds. And he says they are abandonment, shame, fear, powerlessness, rejection, hopelessness, and confusion. Abandonment, shame, fear, powerlessness, rejection, hopelessness, and confusion. So when I say those words, I'm guessing that we can all maybe, or maybe it's not the case, I don't know, um, maybe one or two, maybe all of them, you know, we can um, relate to. Um, I'm guessing that we probably, if we spent some time in prayer with it, you know, and, and we probably could relate to every single one of those wounds. Um, but what is abandonment? Abandonment is uh, the, the, the wound there um, is I am alone. No one, under, no one understands me. No one cares. Shame. I'm bad, dirty, stupid, perverted. It's all my fault. Fear. If I trust, speak, confront, I will be hurt or die. I'm not safe. Powerlessness. I feel overwhelmed. I don't know what to do. I can't do anything. Rejection. I'm not loved or wanted. I have no value. Hopelessness. It's never going to change. I'm weary. There is no hope. Confusion. I don't understand. I don't know what is happening to me. It doesn't make sense. 
And so as, as I describe each of those, um, you know, maybe it's all the more clear how we've experienced each of those wounds to our, our hearts. So the good news is that Jesus has come to heal those wounds. He came to heal the whole person. This is what he came to do. And as I mentioned earlier, earlier he reveals us to um, ourselves. He reveals who we are. And it's definitely the case that uh, Jesus himself experienced all the wounds in his lifetime, and especially in his passion. But as Dr. Bob points out in, um, in a conference um, called Healing the Whole Person, uh, Jesus did not allow those wounds to influence his identity. Didn't allow him to, he didn't allow them to influence his identity. He experienced them, um, but it didn't, sh- it didn't shake what he understood himself to be or who he understood himself to be as being the father's beloved son. You know, that, that identity did not change for him. He knew that he had the father's love. He knew that he had, that, that none of those wounds were inflicted upon him by the heavenly father. Um, he certainly was following the Father's will perfectly um, in conquering sin and death for us. But he did not identify himself with fear. You know, we hear, um, you know, where he prays in the Garden of, of Gethsemane, you know, Lord, let this cup, Father, let this cup pass, not as I will, but as you will. You know, so we, <clears throat> we sense in him, in that prayer, human, the human experience of fear, knowing what's about to come and being afraid of it. Um, but it's not long after that um, where, remember how Peter um, cuts off the ear of one of the soldiers, and, and, uh, or, or they say, we've got, we've got weapons here, we're good to go, you know, essentially. And Jesus is saying, isn't this, isn't this the Father's will? Don't I have to follow the Father's will? Isn't it the Father's will that I be arrested? And so he goes from the Garden of Gethsemane praying that it not happen or that if it be the Father's will to, to go to plan B, he's open to it. Very, in a very short time, he's totally good with the Father's will. And, um, but, and so what does he teach us in that? He teaches how important it is for for us to bring to the Father, again, the desire of our heart or the fear or the, whatever the wounds are, but, and especially fear, you know, especially fear. So many things that, 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 that especially affects how we do so much or what we do in life. What, and so that could be another question at some point, maybe to ask the Lord, well, what am I afraid of? Um, are there fears, Lord? You know, we can just ask him, Lord, are there fears that any of us are, are just dealing with um, uh, that, you know, that, are, that are crippling or, or affecting us in some way, uh, especially affecting us um, and not seeing your goodness, Lord, and not seeing that we can trust you? So, Lord, we ask that you would just reveal that to us. You know, what are those fears? 
what was Jesus's identity? He was the son, the beloved son of the father. You know, if, and, and I encourage you to read, um, if you got your Bible with you, I encourage you to read um, Mark chapter one, verses nine to 11, Jesus's baptism. Read, read about Jesus's baptism. You know, how the father affirmed who Jesus was and is. You know, how the heavens were opened and the voice came, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And then we have uh, another passage maybe would just be John chapter 5, verses 19 to 30. And then also John chapter 14, verses 7 to 14. And just what what I think we want to hear in those passages, or what I'm, I'm wanting to hear in those passages, is how Jesus sees himself. It's very clear that he's, he's the image of the Father, and he is the Son of the Father, and no one's going to change that for him. So Jesus, uh, and, and so he's showing us in that how we can, uh, you know, if you will, if, how we can... Um, live having been wounded ourselves. And we just ask him to bring healing. One of the, I'll just share a little bit about my, you know, one of the, one of the experiences I had growing up was just, um, There, there were times when, so my dad is, um, uh, there were times when my dad was, could be very intense in his anger. And I, I don't remember, I don't remember him being physically abusive, anything like the, anything like that. Um, but, uh, but still, I mean, there was, I would say some, some, maybe some emotional abuse, um, but just, uh, he could be very intense and showing his disappointment. You know, you just look at, look at his face and, and he's just like, oh my gosh, you know, and I know how that impacted, I, I'm seeing ways in which that impacted me growing up. And, and I think one that's really clear to me is how I really avoid confrontation, you know, avoid, um, you know, to be in an argument or to be in a disagreement is just painful, right? And so that's one thing. Um, but, uh, and so that, along with a particular experience I had when I was nine years old, um, uh, just really, I would say, was kind of pivotal in many respects because when I was nine years old, I was, um, uh, I'm trying to put this, I've told the story several times. I don't know why it's so hard for me to express it. But um, when I was nine years old, um, on a Sunday afternoon, I think it was, my dad sat me down and he was pointing out that I was getting, a, I think, a bad grade in science, right? And, uh, uh and I, I don't know, I don't think I really cared about grades much until that point, right? And, um, 
so that Saturday, Sunday afternoon, he sat me down and he said, and it was just very serious and not like mad or in rage or anything, just really serious and said, son, if you do not get good grades, you will not get a good job when you grow up. So I'm nine years old and I, and I hear this from my dad, right? And I was just, I, I probably didn't really know or care what that meant, you know, to get a good job at nine years old. But, um, but, I, but I do know this, that it really affected just seeing the way how he was disappointed, you know, how he was just disappointed in me and that, you know, and, and we, maybe you hear this too, as I explain that, where, uh, as I describe this experience, that is that really something you want to put on a nine-year-old? You know, talk, thinking about what, you know, getting a, getting a good job when they get older. Um, but anyway, uh, so, but I just saw the disappointment there and I knew I had to change. I knew I had to change. And so there maybe was the inner, inner vow. Like my dad is not, you know, I just can't. Um, so as a result of that, you know, the next year I got A's and B's and then from sixth grade on the way up, all the way up through high school, I got straight A's and that just really became a, that was like my mission. I had to get straight A's in order to, um, experience dad's approval. You know, and there were times where, especially in junior high and maybe early in high school, where it was like at the beginning of the year, I would be, um, uh, you know, just you're getting the syllabus for the for the for the year. And, and, and I'm thinking, how am I going to get straight A's in this year? And I would just be every time I would go to bed, I'd be crying because I I'd be like how just feeling the pressure, the weight of that. And, uh, and it was reinforced as well, where, you know, like our, our parents would give us, you know, I enjoyed, I'm grateful for the gifts they would give, you know, um, but, you know, it would be, you know, a, a gift, a, a check or something. If we got good grades, you know, go out to dinner and, and, and it was good. We had good times in that. Don't get me wrong, but, but it, that reinforced um, what I was needing to do in order to, um, yeah, just receive that approval, receive that. And so, uh, but, but that just became my identity. You know, I, I look back on that. And in some ways, mysteriously, you know, there's, there's a goodness there because there's something good about it. The Lord made good out of it in the sense that I wasn't, I, 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 um, I, for the most part, stayed on the straight and narrow. You know, I, kept my, I studied and, um, but I also see too, where it kind of distorted or, um, really damaged just the desire to learn for the sake of learning, you know, just the desire to learn just what I'm passionate about. And, um, and it became more about getting the grade, you know, and I don't know if you can relate to that. Maybe there's, maybe you or someone you know can relate to that. But, you know, th so that, that's, I would say, um, what impacted me. And I and you can look back on how, how that um, experience 
affected me. Like it became my identity. Like I did not think I was the person I am or needed to be unless I had good grades. And that ended up leading to, um, leading to sin, I could say, you know, leading to pride, you know? Um, but, you know, and that's um, another thing that Dr. Bob points out, you know, it's just the fact that, you know, we, the sins that we commit over and over again, sometimes we, we just think, well, I'm just, I must, I must just be a bad person maybe. And I just need to get, get it straight. I just need to do work harder and I just need to get my mind straight. And, and, but um, we, we might be overlooking the fact that there could be a wound underneath all that. Right. So this is what he talks about is this tree where the wounds are the roots and then the trunk is the ungodly self-reliance and then the bad fruit is the sins. Um, and so for all of us, for many of us, you know, what we're wanting and what we're needing if we, is for those wounds to be healed. Um, that has, and, and the Lord wants that too. He wants to heal those wounds and we don't know, you know, whatever they are, he wants to bring healing to them and he can, he desires it. Uh, whatever it is, could be a miracle from our standpoint. He wants that miracle. He wants to do that. He's the only one who can, and we can trust him because he has, um, conquered sin and death for us. He's conquered sin and death. I'm just going to read uh, John chapter 5, verses 1 to 9. And we'll close with this. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there, there is in Jerusalem at the Sheep Gate a pool called in Hebrew Beth Bethesda with five porticos. And these lay a large number of ill, blind, lame, and crippled. One man was there who had been ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been ill for a long time, he said to him, do you want to be well? Other translations, I think the RSV says, do you want to be healed? And the sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. While I am on my way, someone else gets down there before me. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your mat and walk. Immediately the man became well, took up his mat and walked. So what do we hear in that? We hear that the man thought that he, he needed Jesus to help him get to the pool. That's what it seems like anyway. And Jesus had something um, far better for him. Uh, and, and just heals him. And so what are those ways in which we just think that um, 
this and that and this and that and this and that's all got to happen in order for me to experience healing in my heart, for me to know the Father's love for me. Go ahead and tell Jesus all those things, right? Go and go ahead and tell him, please, you know, sincerely, I mean it. Tell him the reasons why he can't do that. Tell him the reasons why he can't bring healing the way your heart desires healing. Let's just ask our Blessed Mother today on uh, Saturday to um, pray for us that um, she would she would just um, with her tenderness, with her maternal gaze, that she would just help us, help our hearts to be open to the love of our Heavenly Father, His Son, Jesus, and the power of the Holy Spirit. And that we would be free and fearless to bring to our Lord uh, whatever wounds are coming to mind for us right now. You, don't, you may have come here for a specific thing, you may have come here to um, receive healing for this or for that, but it could be the case that the Lord's saying, yeah, I know you're concerned about this, but I want to bring healing to this first. And so let's just pay attention to what the Lord's bringing to mind for us. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Hail Mary. Full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.